Hey guys, before we get started on the episode, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Organic Priced Books. Organic Priced Books is a small business dedicated to saving you money on collected editions of the books you love. Whether that be trade paperbacks, hardcovers, absolutes, or omnibus, Organic Priced Books has you covered. They have all the brands that you love, DC, Marvel, IDW, Dynamite, and so many more. To take advantage of this partnership, go to the link in the description of this podcast and use our promo codes. Those are TFRBATPOD to save you $2 off of any order or TFRBATPOD ship it together to save you 5% off of any order of three books or more. When you do this, not only are you supporting a small business and saving yourself money on the books you love, you're also supporting this show as you do so. So go check out Organic Price Books today. Thanks, guys, and enjoy the show. citizens of gotham to the fire rises a batman podcast focusing on all things the dark knight and his world if you'd like to connect with the show you can find us on facebook instagram and x at tfr Batpod. and if you have thoughts questions comments or even suggestions for future episodes of the show you can reach us by email that's tfr Batpod at gmail.com my name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, how are you, buddy? Good. Good morning, Eric. How's it going? It is going. It is going. Um, we are into February, and of course, that means Valentine's Day, which let me just go ahead and preface this, Joe. I hate Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I forgot a fan of the you, holiday. You have told me that before, and I totally forgot about that. That is right. I yeah, my wife and I generally don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, both of us just see it as kind of a fabricated cash grab, more <laughs> than an actual thing to celebrate. So, which is completely fine as long as you both agree to that. One of you cannot have that opinion. <laughs> that is very true. That's very true. And and I have you know previous. We won't get into that. Whatever. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I'm not a big fan, but with it being the time and time of the year and the next upcoming holiday, I figured why not, you know, throw something in there. And well, and I actually think originally this was your idea, but we're very close to the to the anniversary release of the Batman Adventures Mad Love, the very popular comic. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today, Joe. And we had discussed this back and forth. We did kind of miss the anniversary. I think it was last year, but doesn't really matter. And we had talked about whether to talk about the episode or the comic or what have you. Um, but we did land on the comic. Um, and I'm sure we'll sprinkle in a little bit about the episode back and forth. But before we kind of dive into the story, I really wanted to gauge where you're at with 
mad love. What do you think of the story overall, Joe? And do you remember like the first time you read it? That's a good question. I do not remember the the first time I've read it, but it's ironic because when we had talked about doing this episode, it never even occurred to me that it was a Valentine's Day episode. It, I that didn't even cross my mind until you started your your opening monologue here. Um, so, well, but it obviously is. It's we'll, we'll say unofficially. It's it's kind of a loosely based. Yeah, Valentine's. but it, it it does fit, and I will say so. Yeah, we had discussed whether we we're going to do the comic or the the episode, and it kind of works for both. So we're only two months late, not even two months late for the comics. What would that be? The 30th anniversary. So the comic yes. came out in December of 93. So we're only two months late for that. And then we're in the year of the 25th anniversary of the episode. I think 25th. Yeah. 99 i think no oh uh, no i can't remember to be honest i know it was it was later in the run because it was one of the very last episodes of the show okay i think it but was even like so that that would be yeah that, that would be 25 25 years so it works for both anniversaries loosely we're not really on either one of them <laughs> but uh i what's weird to me is that I definitely did not read this when it came out. I definitely did not. I don't, I guess I didn't know Harley's origin until the episode came out, but I don't remember ever not knowing her origin. Like, I mean, I was, I was a little kid when the animated series was on. So I guess I just didn't really think about Harley having an origin or anything like that, but I do not remember a time which is, again, it's kind of contradictory, but that's what happens when our memories are a little foggy. I don't remember a time of not knowing Harley's origin. I can't imagine going through the entirety of the original run of the animated series and not knowing her origin. But I had to have done that because there's no way I I knew about the comic while we were watching. And the comic didn't even come out in the beginning of... uh, the show it, it came out towards the end of the show didn't it or at least at least at the end of the first season so this um this comic came out december 14th 1993 yeah and the animated series premiered in 92 okay i think but the show um the the episode that this is based on was much much later i mean the yeah, comic it was, was the new adventures pre- yeah yeah so the the comic definitely predated the the episode by by quite a bit um but the whole purpose really in in what you were what you were just saying you know cuz you always remembered harley's origin the whole purpose of this issue or this one shot um oversized comic was because Paul Dini did not want Harley just to be a standard, regular hinch person. Mm-hmm. He wanted Harley to have a little more, wanted to have something you could really, you could really connect with her. Um, so they decided to give her an origin and it, DC offered uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim a, a one shot, you know, longer form issue of the Batman adventures. And that's what they decided to do with it. Um, and I'm with you. I can't remember when I read this the first time. 
um, I know I saw the episode first. So the new Batman adventures, I saw that before I ever read the book. I remember seeing the episode and knowing this is a great episode of TV. Uh -huh. um, and then I don't know. It was years later that I read that. I think I saw like a, like a trade edition of it in a comic shop or something like that. So this was in, in the mid two thousands or later um, when I first picked it up. I got to be in the same boat because I have the trade um, man mm -hmm. love and other stories. I kind of remember reading it thinking I had read it prior. And then once I started reading it, like, oh, no, I, I definitely didn't. Um, and I think and the reason you think that is it's almost page for page the episode. Yes, there's definitely there's a few little things that are different. Um, Mostly but... chunks of dialogue. Yes, chunks of dialogue here and there. One little spot of Batman in the Batcave in the very beginning. I don't think that's in the episode. Um, him with Alfred because Alfred, I don't think, is in the episode. Mm -mm. Um, and this trade, I'm assuming you're right. It came out in the 2000s. I'm looking 2009. Is that possible? It says Could copyright be. 2009. Yeah, and. I was going to, is there a hardcover version of this? There's a deluxe edition. Oh, okay. Cause I might have to, cause it is a good trade. It's nice to have. I do. I am kind of disappointed. It is just a paperback. Um, and I'm, as I'm flipping through it, it has, you know, Batman, uh, the holiday special in this. Yeah. So there's, um, so there's a, there's a trade, um, trade paperback. There is the deluxe edition, which can't, I can't remember when it came out. In fact, I've got it right here. Um, it came out April 21st, 2015. So I don't know how easy it is to get at mm -hmm. this point, but it is out there. Um, and it does have bonus material, which, you know, deluxe editions are known for. There's also been a um, novelization made. Yes. Paul Dini actually wrote the novelization of this uh, with a with a partner writer. I, I've never read that, but I've been fascinated to check it out because I did. I think I read the Court of Owls novelization that they did in that same mm -hmm. line, and I enjoyed that. It was pretty good. So, and Paul Dini, you can't go wrong with. So, I would um, assume I, there's I, a lot more material in that. that it is, yeah, probably, it, yeah, yeah. So they did expand it. Um, but this, when this came out, I mean, it was. It was really well received at the time. Of course, you have the team of Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. So this won an Eisner Award for Best Single Issue. Bruce Tim was also nominated for Best Pence, uh, Penciler and Inker at the Eisner Awards, and it won a Harvey Award for Best Single Issue or Story. Um, so it was very well received, award-winning comic, and also got its own episode of the animated series. So diving into the story a little bit, Joe, um, there's a lot more here than just Joe uh, Harley's origin. Of course, we get the origin in the asylum with Harley kind of falling in love with her patient in the Joker. But I think there's a lot, there's a lot here about discussions past what a children's comic or TV show <laughs> should would normally discuss. There's there's some deep stuff here with um Stockholm syndrome kind of there's mm. there's stuff with domestic abuse um and there's that you know there's that situation i i think it it resonates so well because you see that victim that cannot escape the 
person they love or they think they love. And even though it's through the lens of an animated, you know, it's a, a comic book or an animated series episode, there's a lot there that happens in real life every day. Someone who's downtrodden and beaten and can't escape, but can't leave. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. And uh, I apologize. I'm probably going to go back and forth a lot between like this and the the show or the uh, the episode because I think it's hard for me to to kind of differentiate the two sometimes. But we always talk about how we love that the animation or the the art in the book is the original series, mm-hmm. um, where the show aired during the new adventures. So it's the new animation, which I think most of us tend to agree is not as good as the original. I will say to piggyback off your first point, though, I don't know if this would have been able to air in the early seasons of Batman, the animated series, because the censors were much stricter when it was Batman, the animated series. They got a lot looser when they went to channel, I guess it was channel 11 when they did um, the new adventures or it's regional. Okay. So. Um, but either way, it was a different, it was definitely, um, much looser with the, uh, sensors when it went to new adventures, it went um, from Fox to kids WB, I believe. Okay. Um, but I do remember that the sensors got looser. They were able to do a lot more. And I, I think especially with this episode, um, I don't think it would have worked with this context in the, uh, in the comic because, or they would have had to heavily edit it. I think. They were they were very strange with the uh, sensors early on, and Bruce Tim has talked about that at nauseum with uh, how they had to tweak, tweak things. Like you couldn't use regular guns, but you could use a Tommy gun because kids couldn't get their hands on Tommy guns, <laughs> like stupid right. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like this is definitely a more adult themed episode, and that's saying a lot from Batman the animated series, which tended to be, you know not necessarily that it was geared towards adult adults, but it didn't dumb down for the children. There was not an episode that, you know, I mean, it, it kind of, it, it went back and forth a little bit, but this one, the real world stuff, like you said, with the Stockholm syndrome and all that. And I'm kind of rambling at this point, other than to say, I agree with you. Uh, it's, it's pretty heavy stuff. And the book even delves into Harley prior to becoming Harley, where they didn't want to touch on that in the episode. If you under, if you remember the scene with her and the, and, uh, whether it be the Dean or one of her teachers at college, uh, something yeah. she does to, you know, up her grades a little bit, uh, you know, not something that definitely you wouldn't want to show that in a, a kid's TV show. And it's something that we take a little bit more seriously nowadays than maybe back then it was played for a laugh. Um, yeah, well, there's that struck me. There's things in the comic that I'm so fascinated got translated into the episode mm-hmm. because if 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 I read this comic without ever watching Batman the animated series, there are things in the comic that I would never think would make it onto a kids television show. For instance, Harley in her nighty, um, when Which she's is definitely a little bit more revealing in the comic than it is in the show. Yes, but the fact that it even made it into the show. Agree. Yeah. And the comment about don't you want to rev your Harley? Because there's <laughs> definitely some connotations there. But they it's translated straight from the comic. 
Um, so, so I'm happy that they, that they were able to do that. And then again, some of the domestic abuse, like, mm -hmm. um, it's very clear in the comic. I think they do kind of put a softer edge on it because they, yeah. they do some more cutaways and stuff. Yes. I in don't the remember episode. at the end of the episode, if he actually does hit her with the fish. Cause he hits I, her with the fish in the book for sure. I don't yeah. remember in the episode if he does or not, but yeah, they, he grabs her nose in the comic at one point and like drags her out of the um out of the lair. And that's when he kicks her to the curb in the show. It cuts away from that. You just see her being thrown out the door um, yeah. mysteriously or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you, it, it starts the exact same way. We've got Joker's plot to kill Gordon. It's at the dentist office. And I love that. Gordon just dreads the dentist so much. And, and after this encounter, he, he may not ever go back to the dentist. Um, but of course, Joker is there and, and attempts to kill him, which in the comic, just like the show attempted murder right at the beginning mm -hmm. for yep. a children's comic or TV show. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course, Batman foils the plan and Joker is just so frustrated because he can never one up Batman. So Harley gets the bright idea to use one of Joker's plans to show him that they can work, which of course is not what Joker wants at all. And it all comes to a head at the end when Joker stops Harley because only he can kill Batman. Um, but it's fascinating to me that... Harley, because she's not so hyper-focused on Batman as Joker is, she's more focused on making Joker happy, that she came, and even Batman says this in the in the comic, she came way closer to killing him than Joker ever did. Mm -hmm. I mean, she had him. If it wasn't for Batman, you know, kind of outsmarting her just, just a tiny bit and, you know, letting her know, which he was probably right. Joker never would have believed it. Mm -hmm. even if even if he'd have seen bones or cloth or whatever with the piranha tank he never would have believed that batman was dead and that she killed him so she has to call him to bring joker in and when he gets there he stops the whole thing because he's not going to let harley quinn steal his glory and i love the scenes uh there it, it didn't translate to the episode but i love the little uh the panels where joker is on the way to where Harley has Batman yes. and yep. you see he's thinking about all the other villains in Gotham picking on him, you know, like Joker's girlfriend or uh, calling him Miss uh, Mr. Quinn and all this because Joker, yeah. uh, he thinks Harley's going to get all this glory around Gotham's underworld for killing Batman. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's hilarious to me. That's some of my favorite stuff from the book that does not translate at all into the show is what's going on in their minds where Joker's doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a scene where Harley is actually picturing what their life might be in the future. And if I, do you remember the panel? Um, you know, there's little kids running around and then there's Batman's head over the mantle. Yes. Is it the two tiny tunes characters hung? Did you notice that? Oh, I'd have to go back. I okay, don't remember so, that. I don't know if you could see it or not, but I swear it looks like uh, now I haven't watched tiny tunes since I was a kid. Um, but the two main characters of tiny tunes that you don't see their faces, you just see the back of them. And now I'm flipping through the pages here. I apologize, but it looks like 
clear to me that they are literally hanging. Um, let's see if I can show you the right thing here. Uh, you see them in the top? Oh, like I don't, I don't know if that's the Tiny Toons because it looks like it looks, rabbit ears. So yeah, because so I'm not Bugs, sure. Tiny Toons was Bugs Bunny and um. Oh, I was thinking Animaniacs. You're no, right. Tiny no, no. So yeah. Tiny Toons was Bugs Bunny, and and again, I don't even remember if it was Bugs and uh, another, you know, female uh, bunny character. I don't remember their names or anything, but I just remember the the pictures of them when I was a kid. I just found that so dark and creepy for no reason other than it's you know Bruce Tim. <laughs> but I just thought yeah. it was so so like again, that's not something you're going to show on a kids' cartoon. But that's the stuff I really appreciated from the book that we. We've seen this episode so many times that when you read the book and you catch something, you're like, oh, like, I don't remember that part. And that's like the the whole scene right there where he, she's picturing the kind of remind you of in Suicide Squad, where she has that vision of, um, you know, like a blissful existence with yeah. Joker. Yeah, and it's a twisted existence. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not your typical family. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we've seen that in Harley Quinn, the animated series as well, mm -hmm. um, like like what she would what she would ultimately dream of and what's not possible with Joker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome to see that depiction here in, in the comic. And I love that, that, you know, they've, the kids are running around and it's like JJ and I can't remember what the little girl's name was, but the little mm -hmm. girl is screaming about JJ's trying to poison her and Joker as the old wizened dad and his lazy boy is saying, yep. well, poison him right back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think the biggest, of course, the biggest sticking point of this issue, um, of this one shot is the origin of Harley and going back to, um, how she became associated with the Joker. Of course, we all know that she was a psychiatrist before, um, she came into Arkham, became Joker's doctor and then fell in love with him. What's fascinating about this to me is. As much as I love this story, I don't think this is my preferred origin for Harley. So I'm going to preface that. Well, that's in this. I, I'm curious where you're going with that. I think I have an idea, but it's I, okay. <laughs> so, so in this version, she is, um, she's kind of a glory hound. Mm -hmm. Like, like she comes in, um, she. She kind of slept her way to her degree, as mm -hmm. we see in, earlier. Um, she gets her degree, and she's looking to kind of become one of these TV or book writer mm -hmm. psychologists. She wants to get famous by doing this. So she gets herself uh, a position at Arkham because this is where all these lunatics and, and villains are, and she wants to use them to launch her, um, her fame and her like celebrity psychiatrist career. And for the story, I think that works really, really well. And for the version that they originally portrayed in the animated series, that works great. Um, but there have been like alterations of that origin over the years. Like Harleen is a that was where I assumed, collection. That was where I assumed you were going because I do really enjoy that story. I like the the really the really career oriented, you know, the one that the, the heart, the version of Harley that actually really wants to help people mm -hmm. and ends up with this syndrome that kind of the Joker cracks her 
and breaks yeah. her. Um, and even uh, it's the same with the with the Murphy verse with that version of Harley Quinn, which I think is one of my favorite versions of Harley. Mm-hmm. I love her in those books. Um, but I mean, this is where it all started. So it had to come from somewhere. And then, of course, like they do, comics artists and writers over the years they reinterpret. Exactly. So while I, I love this version, I do think it has been done better as as we went along. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know if 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 you have any thoughts or feelings about that, or if this do you have a preferred version? Um. I haven't really put too much thought in it, to be honest, because most of my, I guess most of my, not knowledge, but what I've always perceived as her origin, the important thing to me was always just, she was a psychiatrist that went into Arkham and, um, you know, Joker twists her around and, and basically, you know, makes her what she is. The, the the tweaks were done prior to that. What kind of person was Harley prior to entering Arkham for the first time? And it's such a, even in this book, it's a very small portion of what the story is being told. Um, and I look at Har- something like Harleen as what it is. It's an Elseworld story. Um, I think as long as you get that core right from this story, uh, I, I think you could go numerous amount of different ways and I'd still be okay with it as far as preference though. Um, I can see where you're coming from as if she was already a glory hound and she was already trying to get one up on, you know, these inmates, then it kind of makes it seem like she wasn't the greatest person to begin with. It might detract a little bit from what the Joker accomplished, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I could see it either way and I'm fine with it. Sure. And I, I think for me, it is that it's that going from, from the depiction here, she, she was not really a great person to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the way that she got through school and the way that she, and, and that's, that's it. I admit that's extremely judgmental. <laughs> Mm-hmm. on my part they're so doing it probably, for that reason they don't put that yeah. panel in there if they're not hinting at that being, they want you to being, judge her yeah yes they're that one panel is meant for you to completely um assume that that is one minor thing of many that she has mm-hmm. done yeah yeah it's, a, it's meant which, to be a generalization which looking at it that way um it's almost like harley and Joker are the perfect pair mm-hmm. because that's what I mean. Joker is the master manipulator, so it's or like I'll two, even say she just needed a little push, and yeah, that's, there you go, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So you've got these two manipulators who kind of fit together, and one's just a little bit stronger personality than the other. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that I really love about this story is I love it when people make you know joker the unreliable narrator mm-hmm. and when uh, it kind of goes back to kind of like like the dark knight like you don't know what his origin story is he's got all he's got a multiple choice and i love that he uses that to gain sympathy from people because joker is joker's not really a sympathetic person or a sympathetic figure but he uses psychology to get into people's heads and make them feel sorry for him, specifically people in positions of, of authority over him, like doctors mm-hmm. at Arkham. 
And he does that with Harley because he tells her a sob story about his, you know, his father being an abusive person and just always looking for his adoration and never worked out. And he uses the circus when he was seven years old as an example. And then later in the book, Batman throws that back at Harley because that's the story he's used to fool Harley and to trick Harley into thinking he's something he's not. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, which story was it? He mentions was ice, an ice show ice or show. something. Yeah. The ice yeah. Show. Yeah. Yeah, when he was seven years old, and Harley, it clicks in. Harley's like, "Well, no, he he told me the circus." Yeah. Um. So, but, but Batman's Batman's planting that seed that no, Joker's told so many people so many stories to make them feel sorry for him. Um. Which is pure Joker to me. Mm-hmm. I love it, and I love that that's momentarily what Batman convinces Harley that. You're, you're not in a good situation. And I think it opens her eyes, but she's hopeless. So, <laughs> you know, I, what do you think though? Is the, is the multiple choice thing, is it overdone or when used correctly? Do you like this? Do you like it? Well, I think even in this, in this case, to me, it's not, it's not like he's giving a multiple choice. Um, like he's not playing on his own psychosis here on saying like, he doesn't even know his own origin. He's using it to manipulate others. So I think it's a little bit different than say the dark Knight, where he might just be kind of like, is he doing it for the same reasons or is he doing it just because he can't remember what's what, um, or doesn't care what's what he has all these things that he pulls from. I really, I think that's why I like it is because you, you don't know which way he's playing it. And I think in this case, you know, this is very early on. I mean, this is 1993. Hard to say it's overplayed when we're looking at a book from 93. Now, I actually think I want more of this going mm. forward because I feel like we've gotten away from the multiple choice more with the Joker in later, you know, in more recent years. Um, That's a good point because I think everybody kind of whether whether you say this or not, I think most people kind of think in their heads, "Killing Joke" is is his origin, which even which can also be interpreted as you know a false narrative or um, false narrator. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in that he says, "If I'm going to have a a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice." Yeah, that's kind of where it started. Even though it Mm kind of gives a definitive origin, also it's it plays with you, and I think that's that's always been my preferred thing on the Joker is whatever you want it to be, it can be, or if you have no idea, it's it's more important to you know his origin's not important. Um, Right. We do get you know, a little playback to him being dropped in the vat of acid in the book. I don't think mm-hmm. that was in the episode. It was briefly. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I always prefer the multiple choice thing. I, I do. I don't like definitive origin and the animated series always went with Jack Napier. Um, I mean, we've yeah. always had the Jack Napier nods. We have the, the little origin from, Mask of the Phantasm, they've actually gone more definitive in the animated series than maybe some other interpretations. But yeah, I, I prefer the, you know, the, the different multiple choice stuff. And I do, I do think it's done well in most of the the things I've read. Uh, I mean, I know you love the Murphy verse. 
if you look at the, you know, the way he's portrayed in that at face value and take away the fact that it's a really entertaining story that I, you know, you like more than I do, but I do enjoy the story. If you look at that interpretation of Joker at face value and pretend like, like if that was canon, I, I don't think I would like it at all. Like if you just presented that to me in front of me, I don't think I would enjoy it at all. Um, I think it just works because of the story. Well, and, and the Elseworlds nature of it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I completely agree with that. I mean, if that was definitive Joker, no way, but for, for the side story, you know, that not in Canon. Um, but interesting point you brought up. Cause I didn't even think it when I asked you that question, um, what do you think of, is it overdone or not? I mean, at this point, when this comic came out, they were only five years removed from the killing joke coming out. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, they were pretty close to it at that yeah. time. So it was pretty fresh. Um, you had brought up the art earlier mm-hmm. and I think what I like, what I, cause this is one of the, the rare scenarios I think with Batman, the animated series. And there's not many other, you know, straight adaptations from the Batman adventures. There's, there's, there's several, but not a ton. This is one where I actually prefer the comic mm-hmm. over the TV episode. And it is because of the art because there's, there's so many stories in the new, in the new Batman adventures um, that I would love to see reanimated mm-hmm. in the original Batman, the animated series oh, yeah. style and having that in the Batman adventures comic that I can, I can read this great story from the, that, that we have this, you know, very iconic episode of, but I can see it in that original art. And I think that's what gives it the edge and makes me prefer the comic. Um, But if you had to choose Joker poisonous flower to your head, Joe, if you had to choose between the comic or the episode, which would you take? I would say and, the comic. Oh wait, and before you answer that, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Aside. Before you answer that, mm-hmm. no, art, art, art is part of it. Okay. You got to think, okay, so you don't, in the, in the episode, you've got Conroy and you've got Mark Hamill. So you've yeah. got those voices. So you, when you're reading, of course you can hear it in your head, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. So you got to weigh those things when you're thinking whether you prefer the comic or the, or the episode. So yeah. having said all that, what do you think? Well, I think preference wise, I think the book, because it just has a little bit more to it than the, the episode. But if, if you told me right now, uh, poisonous flower to your head, you could only have one and the other one goes away forever. I'm taking the episode mm. because I get more enjoyment out of watching the episode than I would read the comic. If that makes sense. Like, I think I prefer the story in the comic and the animation in the comic, but don't take away that episode because I think the episode is such a perfect translation. Um, I, it's much easier for me to just put on that episode. And that episode has been such a part of our lives for so long with the, uh, voices. Don't take away those voices from me. Don't take away those, you know, that kind of performance from me because that's what I prefer. But if like now, if I remember correctly, here's my one nitpick with the book and I don't remember how it ends in the show, which is so bad, but I, I like the final line in the episode better. I don't like the final line in the comic. I think it's different. And I can't remember what it is in the episode, which is kind of defeating my purpose here. 
But the final you're talking about with Harley and the and the yes. cell? Doesn't she say something like wonderful? Like he's wonderful? She says angel. Angel. Okay. I don't like the final line in the book, which is it felt like a kiss. Hmm. I'm so used to the movie. And again, I couldn't even remember what the episode was, which is stupid because I'm contradicting myself that I liked it better. But I remember reading the book and it says it felt like a kiss as the final line. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Like whatever it was in the episode, I liked better. And it's probably just because I've seen the episode so many times. I noticed right away that it ended differently. And that's, that's what I was going to say. I think it's, it, you've de- definitely seen the episode more than you've read the comic. Mm-hmm. Same for me. Um, so I think it's just so ingrained in your head yes. that that last line is different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. So I read the book yesterday. I'll watch the episode this morning before we recorded. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I didn't even pick up on it. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I fell asleep watching the episode last night. Um, so I didn't catch the ending, but I read the book this morning and I knew, okay, something that's different. I know that's different. And I, I wasn't crazy about it because I remember, I remember, um, oh God, uh, Tara strong, right. Mm-hmm. I remember her voice and I remember hearing it and I'm like, okay, she definitely does not say felt like a kiss. Like that sounds so weird to me. And I couldn't hear her voice saying the line. That's how I knew it was wrong. Another great point bringing up Tara Strong because we always talk about Hamill and we talk about Kevin Conroy, but mm-hmm. Tara Strong in this episode specifically, she does such a great job, not only with her with her regular Harley voice, which is purposefully grating, mm-hmm. um, but then she did a wonderful job switching to the more professional yeah. Harleen Quinzel. Mm-hmm. And even at the end, in that scene that you were just talking about, when she's saying no more, you know, I'm done with the Joker. And then she sees the flower on the nightstand and it instantly clicks back to the Har- yes. Harley Quinn voice when she says angel. Mm-hmm. I think Tara Strong does. A f- and I know we're not we're talking about we've mixed the comic and the and the show so much here. But I thought this was one of Tara Strong's strongest performances. Yeah, I mean, this is her, ep- the, her, it's her episode. I mean, this is, yeah. and that's what's so funny too about it being a Batman New Adventures episode. Robin is not included. Batgirl's not included. It is specifically done that way because one, the book was done with that, but you could totally just insert this into Batman in the animated series and it wouldn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, there's no real reference to the timeline other than Joker and Batman have been at this for a while, but even in the Batman, the animated series, they've been at it for a while. Yeah. So that the timeline doesn't make much of a difference here. I liked that they didn't like just shoehorn in um Tim Drake's Robin into this episode um because it was a Batman New Adventures episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think the biggest point that I love about this story, especially this comic, um there's a lot of times, and I've said this on this show before, that I miss Harley and Joker. Yeah. I miss that I so that much at all anymore. It's so you're right. It's, it's frustrating. I, I get that Harley had to grow and comic characters are always meant to grow. It's, but it's like, it's kind of like how I miss Dick Grayson Robin in the comics. Cause we never get that anymore. And I never had that <laughs> as stupid mm-hmm. as that is like, yeah, I mean, we same. never, we never had Dick Grayson as Robin in the comics. Imagine 
if we grew like like kids today have not had the Harley Quinn Joker relationship because that died in the comics in 2011 with the new 52. Mm -hmm. So it's going on, you know, geez, 12 years, 13 years now. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong again. I have no problem with Harley and, and poison Ivy. I like, I like Harley and Ivy, mm -hmm. but there's, I, I just miss those those Joker and Harley stories. I think that's that's part of why I I do love the Murphy verse so much because that's it's not that story. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not a relationship that Murphy's going to break up. I mean, even even post Joker's death, spoilers. Um, <laughs> that's that's Harley's guy. So as as much of a whacked out bad relationship as it is at times um through the comics and and through the tv shows and everything else i mean these are fictional characters you mm -hmm. know i don't feel so bad about wanting harley to be in that relationship i, I just don't i like i do like that they gave her character growth and they evolved her but i'd love to i'd love to circle back to more of joker and harley which yeah. is again I can read this at any time and, and love it. So that's a good thing. But getting that, I guess, injected into my fandom every once in a while of going back and seeing these classic stories like this, that's that's the biggest thing I like. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, just to, to touch on that a little bit, and this is kind of going on a little bit of a tangent, which I don't want to start too much, but with comics, how you, you have that, that, that huge progression, um, you know, where, over the last, you know, how many years we have Dick Grayson becoming Nightwing. We have Harley, you know, disbanding from the Joker. I think I would have loved, like, they're always trying to reboot every once in a while. I don't even need a full reboot or a soft reboot that like they always do, but they still keep everything kind of status quo. I would love something akin to how Marvel did the ultimate universe where keep the standard universe going and progressing. Can we kind of start like a, you know, from day one and have modern storytelling based on, you know, when Batman first adopts Dick Grayson, when Harley first meets the Joker, like I would love DC to do something like that and don't try to do anything drastically different. Like the ultimate universe did with Marvel. You don't have to, you don't have to go crazy different, but just modern versions of it and have like a congruent story, um, story going with that. I think that'd be really interesting. Um, but I think so with you mean, something like that, you have to go different because what's the point of doing it if you didn't? Right. But that's the so hard you, part. So you mean like an ongoing story? Whereas, I mean, we have Black Label where we get yeah, the one off. I and want like, like, that. like again, like Marvel Unlimited, uh, not Marvel Unlimited, ulti the Ultimate Universe. Like they had Ultimate Spider Man, um, you know, and Ultimate Captain. Like I know that I think it was one of, I think the Captain America one is the one that people didn't like. Like they did it for everything though. Um, Every sure. main ongoing title got an ultimate title and they basically started from scratch and it was for new, new readers to kind of jump on to a new story, but they still had the continuing story going. I would love something like that with DC, but again, why would you do that and keep it kind of status quo? You have to tell different stories. You have to tweak things a little bit. And I think that's what they tried to do with the new 52 and people didn't like it. So, but again, they, they kind of, for like, the most part, I mean, there's some parts people liked, but, and they kind of went you know, they did that whole five year thing. So it wasn't really going back to day one with some characters. They went back to day one with Superman, but not with Batman. And then they, I don't know, they kind of jumped around a little bit. They, they never know 
they never want to go full bore into something. They kind of like, you know, have, for lack of a better term, kind of half-ass it. Where I would love, like they, they did Earth 1, which was kind of that, mm-hmm. but they went very different. Where I, I would love, like, um, what's the story we got uh, um, with Dick Grayson as Robin? Um, Robin and Batman by... Robin uh, and Batman's fantastic. Tony, um, uh, what's how do you say his last name? Oh uh, gosh, it's like yeah. Noyan or uh, right? Am I am I at least spelling it right? It's like N J U Y E N or something. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Crap. Robin and Batman is Jeff Lemire. Oh, okay. Then I just got the wrong name. <laughs> I just yeah. got the wrong artist completely. And you're like, how can you not say his name? Um, <laughs> and and Dustin Wynn okay. did the art. Um, yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is it kind of, I, I, I it's got a nostalgia you. grab. It's a nostalgia grab for no reason other than I could clearly go back and just read those books if I want to, but I want, you know, a modern version of them. Unfortunately. Yeah, you know, sure. You well, I mean, to your, your point, to. to your point, I mean, ultimate Spider-Man is one of my absolute favorite mm-hmm. runs of Spider-Man yes. ever. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind that. I think, it, I think had they done new 52 kind of as a side thing from mm-hmm. continuity it might have yeah. been better received because characters like superman were just a little too left of center yeah. for people um but yeah i mean to to wrap up on mad love i think it's a i think it's a perfect especially with my opinion on valentine's day i think it's mm. a perfect story for valentine's day because yeah. because the people who get really insane about valentine's day i mean it could be mad love (laughs) so um but classic classic joker and harley and batman story um one that i really enjoy going back to whether it be the comic or the series episode um but any any final thoughts or anything that we left out that you wanted to mention about mad love no i don't think so i think um you know it's a quick read it's it's what is it uh 60 something pages i think um yeah which fascinates me to try to check out that deluxe edition because it's like 145 pages so i want to see what's in there oh wow yeah i mean the trade is is packed too like i said there's a couple of other stories in here it's probably the same material this is 195 pages um it's probably Mm. the same stuff but i love that it includes the uh the annual of holiday nights whatever it's called something different but it includes that um yeah I, uh, it's such a quick read. It's a really fun story. And I think for us that really know the, the episode, you know, front to back for the most part, um, go check out the book and and try to, uh, you know, refresh yourself on what, you know, what started that episode, what this is, what it stemmed from. And it's cool that they did do this as a book because they didn't see it as an episode back when this came out. I mean, there's a good forward in the uh, trade by Paul Dini and then Bruce Tim does kind of the, uh, it says commentary, but it's more like just a uh, like a reflection on it uh, at the end of the story. Really good tidbits in the uh, in the trade about what made them decide to do it as a comic and not do it as an episode just yet. I guess um, mm. I guess they just didn't feel like it fit for the show at the time. But yeah, I I really enjoy it. It's you know it's it's our first. Um, I'm trying to remember. Is this the first? Is this the first uh, appearance of Harley in the comic or no? Is this Batman no, Adventure that, number 12? No, no, no. no. This okay. was this was this a was, one shot. This was a prestige or whatever. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. But yeah, um, I I love it. And I think uh it's I think it's good to read it once in a while just to try to differentiate from the the episode. Yep. And last thing I will I, I did want to mention that I almost forgot. Um there are there are huge nods because of course there are because Paul Dini wrote them. There are huge nods to this in uh Batman Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. as well as Arkham Origins. Yeah. So just wanted to point that out because of <laughs> course there are that those games are like extensions of the animated series. Yeah. So so naturally it fits there. And of course, it's been released in in trade hardcover. It's in the the Batman Adventures Omnibus, which and it's one of the highlights of that book. So if you haven't read it or you haven't read it in a while, go check it out, guys. It's wonderful. But that's well where we'll put a pin in it for mad love before we do leave you guys though we do have an email so i wanted to get to that really quickly joe and this is from stuart from guernsey and stuart says hey guys i finally finished my dceu rewatch which took me just over two weeks now i've watched them all back to back i feel like i have my true ranking i must say i do feel guilty for the movies at the bottom of my list as i don't actually dislike any of them but I have to go by my overall enjoyment. There are things I really love about them and things I don't, hence why they're there. Anyway, this is my ranking starting with number one. So from top to bottom, Stuart has Batman v Superman, Zack Snyder's Justice League, The Flash, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Peacemaker, Suicide Squad, Shazam, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Wonder Woman 84, Blue Beetle, Shazam Fury of the Gods, Birds of Prey, Black Adam, and The Suicide Squad. I hope you're both doing well and don't criticize my decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha, Stuart. Well, thank you so much, Stuart. Um, And thank you for the update because you told us a couple of episodes back that you were going to do that rewatch. And I asked you to send in your ranking, so you followed up here. So I really appreciate that. Um, And Joe... What do you think of Stewart's final ranking of the DCEU here? Well, his uh well, thank you. Thank you, Stuart, for sending it in. Um his top two are the same as mine. So I, I definitely love that. I love that he has the flash so high. I do um, too. Because so many people have kind of let that uh they've let all the nonsense surrounding that movie kind of deter our enjoyment of the movie itself. And I, I sure. still think it's a fun movie. I don't have it quite as high, but I do have it pretty high on my list. Um, the bottom of his list is a little interesting to me. Um, the bottom few, but I think his preface, you know, saying that he doesn't dislike any of them, I think is important because I'm the same way. Even the ones that are on the bottom of my list, I don't really dislike any of them. Uh, so I think it's, sure. it's fun to see the differing opinions on certain films, like having the suicide squad so low at the very bottom and having Wonder Woman 1984 kind of higher up than most people. Um, I respect that. Yeah. You know, having it above uh, Blue Beetle and, you know, uh, I mean, most people don't care for Shazam for you the gods. I know I'm in the minority of liking that one pretty. Uh, <laughs> a I'm, lot, I'm with you. Um, but, uh, you know, Birds of Prey and Black Adam being down towards the bottom, I can see to an extent. But again, it's. We we're lucky enough where we all pretty much like most of these movies. So I I like the variety of his list and I like that, you know, the honesty too. Like, I mean, there's one glaring omission from the list, which 
basically puts it at the bottom i'm assuming um is the jl 2017 <laughs> i was gonna but say I, I think it's i think it's fascinating that um he just completely skipped that one which is fine it's, it's yeah cool. i figure it's, uh, it's it's the same as Zack snyder's it's it's got to be probably two on the list um oh, okay <laughs> but uh but no i will say i love that suicide squad is so high because some of us have kind of been down on that lately i love that he still has uh, such an affinity for it and putting it so high on his list yeah i think that was the biggest standout to me that suicide squad is is pretty high all things considered and mm -hmm. the suicide squad is dead last that's yeah. fascinating to me but again that the variety of i uh, this this series of films offered so many different things for so many different people that you have a lot of variety and i like to see that um, so thank you so much, Stuart. We really appreciate appreciate you continuing to support the show and, and writing in and sharing your list there. Uh, well, I, Joe, I want to say, no. I want to give you credit because you said this in our chat a couple weeks ago. Um, you're so right. that Everyone looked at this universe as inconsistent where mm -hmm. you made the good point of saying, no, it's almost like this universe had something for everybody. It had such variety in it. That's why all of our lists are so different. It's because all of these films tried to do something different. And I think that was the positive that so many of us level-headed people took away from this universe where other people said, oh, I didn't care for that movie. This universe sucks. Mm -hmm. um, in, or this movie has to save the universe because... you know, I didn't like the last one. Well, no, that one just wasn't for you. And other people loved it. Or... I think the consistent mediocrity is just as bad as a good movie than a bad movie or, you know, it's, I don't want consistent mediocrity. I want variety. <laughs> so I think that's yep. the plus that we got from this universe. And I'll give you credit for bringing that to our attention the other day. Well, thank you. Uh, and, and I completely agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a good place to to wrap it up for the day, Joe. Thank you so much for for joining once again. This was this was a fun one, and I love that we ended with a with a really fun email from Stuart there. Uh, but thank you for joining. And if you don't mind, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? You guys can find me on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd as J411, and you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornarotto, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. And thank you again, and thank you, Stuart, for the email. It's always fun when we get to check in with you guys. Absolutely. As for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram, X, and Letterboxd. That's me carter 89 me carter 89 the show can be found on facebook instagram x and threads at tfr bat pod once again if you want to support the show the best and easiest way to do that is to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on if you leave a written review on apple podcasts we will read those on the show if you're looking for another way to support the show and we don't ask that you spend any money on this show that we greatly appreciate it if you do um, you can go to redbubble.com and search shop TFR, all one word, and find our logos on some very cool merch. And our logo was created by Justin Kowalski. Our theme music was composed by Gorov Venikeswar, and his music can be found on gvtunes.com. Make sure to follow the link in the description of this podcast and visit Organic Priced Books and use our, our promo codes there. Save yourself a little bit of money and support us as you do so. But that's going to do it for this episode of TFR. For all of you who celebrate, 
I'm sorry, but happy Valentine's Day. I hope you have a very good Valentine's Day, and we'll see you next time. But keep that bat signal lit and pointing skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Boring. Lame. Not funny. Been done. Too Riddler. What? Harley? Oh, where the heck have you been? Hmm? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Batman, eh? No, oh, you don't say. You have who tied up where? Well, nuts to you, Mr. Smarty Bat. When I told Mr. J what I was doing, he was so thrilled he could hardly speak. Hi, Puddin! You're just in time to see the... Excuse me, I'll be just a minute. But Puddin, I I don't understand. Don't you want to finally get rid of Batman? Only if I do it, idiot! But it's still your plan, see? Everything just like you said. Except I hung the guy upside down so he'd see their little frowns as little smiles. Now it all works. Except you had to explain it to me! If you have to explain a joke, there is no joke! Now, I'll calm down, Putin. You've forgotten what I told you a long time ago. One of the painful truths of comedy. You always take shots from folks who just don't get the joke! Don't call me Puddin. My fault. I didn't get the 